Good morning, all. Good to see you. Good day, Helen. Good to see you. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verses one to fifteen. If you could have your Bible or your device, whatever you have handy, if you could have it open, we're going to be referring to that. I don't know about you, but I, 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 I love polls. You know, I, I, lo- I love you know the vox pops in the in the in the newspapers. And because I'm a 3AW listener, the boys in the morning, they're always doing little, little, you know, quick surveys of different things, different things like, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. And, and, so, and occasionally they have a five question survey, five just ordinary random things that they want to know about. And they ask people to ring in and they ask, just ask you the question, you know, what did you have for breakfast? You know, did you have a massage this week? You know, all, all really weird stuff, but it's fascinating. It's fascinating. The answers that you get. Very informative. I'm going to do one of those little quick vox pops, quick surveys now. All right. So I want to know if we believe or if you believe and hands up, okay? If you believe that the Apostle Paul is actually an Apostle of Jesus Christ, put your hand up if you believe that's so. Good, that's good, most people. Hands up if you have any problems with the teachings of the Apostle Paul. Hands up. Okay. You know, on 3AW, there's always, you know, they give you the results of the service in a percentage, and there's always the troublesome 3%. That's how they term it. There you go. All right. Now, the reason I did that is because what you'll find in, in, in 2 Corinthians is that, is that Paul is continually having to uh, establish or defend his credibility, his apostleship, his teaching, his position, his uh, his desire of uh, his his ability, his authority, his his um, mission or commission that God had given him, the Lord had given him. In fact, in Second Corinthians, he does it in First Corinthians too. He had a lot of problems with the Corinthian church. They really didn't think a, a great deal of the Apostle Paul at times. But in, in 2 Corinthians, now it's not a really, it's only about six pages in my Bible, right? There are 51 occurrences where Paul has to defend his credentials. 51 times he mentions uh, he, he, that the Lord commissioned him, he was given, you know, all, 51 times. It's not a very long epistle. Here in chapter 11, once again in this epistle, he, he has to defend his apostleship, his credentials as the servant of God, his devotion to the people of God. And that's why in verse 1, in verse 1 he says, I hope you will put up with, my, with a little of my foolishness as you already have. Once again, he says, I have to remind you, I have to tell you, I have to, you know, explain to you that I am an apostle. He's constantly rehearsing his credentials. So this morning, after that little uh, little survey that we've had, we are not going to be putting Paul to uh, through having to explain himself again. 
Because we all believe he's an apostle, yes? And we all, even though, even though I did explain to you a few weeks back that even the apostle Peter had a few issues with understanding Paul's teaching, but he never questioned it. We all believe his teachings. So I'm just going to take a slightly different tact to what is in, is in the uh, uh, chapter here this morning. Why have we got 2 Corinthians anyway? We all believe the Apostle Paul, believe his teachings. Why is it in our Bibles today? And the reason is because of false teaching, error, which was creeping into the church back in, in, in 1 Corinthians. And it's prevalent today. It's still valid today. You know, God in his wisdom and his, and his omniscience realised that false teachers are going to be with us forever, right up until the end. And so we don't really need to look at Paul's credentials this morning, do we? We don't really have to... Uh, um, ask ourselves, well, was he really a good speaker? Was he charismatic enough? You know? Was his motivation right? Because we know it's true. We know it's all um, uh, correct that he is an apostle. And what we are going to look at this morning is what Paul is saying about the false teachers that are causing the people of God in Corinth so much grief. Because those same people, the false teachers, are causing grief to the people of God today and maybe even you here this morning. So that's very important what we have to, do, we have to look at this morning. I've, I've titled, you know, false versus real, that's not the title that Sam has given us. It's a little bit short, shorter. I'm a simple bloke, you know. I need to have a simple title. But what Paul is doing here in this chapter is establishing the difference between the false and the truth. The false teacher and the teacher that's from God. The teaching that's not true versus the teaching that comes from the God that we claim we worship and believe in. That's what he's trying to do. I've got some hundred dollar bills here. I know I know some of us wouldn't know what it looks like. I'm hoping that most of us know. Can you pick the fake? No? The one in the middle? That's it. That's fake. That's obvious, isn't it? Now this is this is this is this is not a false teacher. That's just charlatan. That's obvious. It's fake. But there's another fake bill here. This one. Okay? This is a genuine one. And the problem that the people at Corinth were having was trying to discern the false from the real. Right. And the problem is that today we have the same issue. It's difficult to tell 
sometimes who the false teacher is. Paul uses the, the term here to describe these false teachers as super what? Not super dupers, not super men, super apostles. And if you followed the reading, you'll notice that they had quite a following. So, so a false teacher doesn't come with monopoly money. He doesn't come with an outlandish teaching. He doesn't come with an obvious error. Because we're not stupid. We should know enough of the basics of Christian faith to be able to point out a charlatan, a cult leader, a person who really doesn't believe in God or honours God. But false teachers are not like that. They're hard to pick. And And the believers in Corinth were struggling. And let me tell you that uh, 2,000 years later, the people of God are struggling with false teachers and picking who they are. Discerning the truth is always difficult. So we look at this chapter and we ask ourselves, why does Paul say in verse 2, I'm jealous for you? Why is Paul jealous? Well, it's not a, it's not an irrational, uh, jealousy of, of, you know, like, oh, you know, they used to like me and now they don't like me. It's not like that. It's more of the jealousy that God had when his people in the Old Testament, the Jews, were chasing after what? Other gods, Sam. Other gods. You know what that is? Two-timing. Remember that phrase? Two-timing. You know what two-timing means? You know the definition? A person who is not faithful. A person who is not faithful to the person they are having a relationship with. By having a secret relationship with somebody else at the same time. There's a lot of Christians like that. And the Christians at Corinth were, were, were two-timing Jesus Christ, who, who Paul, when he, when he established the church, he, he, he saw them as, as the promised bride to Christ. And here they are, having a secret relationship, two time in Christ. That's why he was jealous. That's why he was upset. He had promised them to Christ, but it says in verse three there, They were deceived. That's what it says in the scriptures. They were deceived. I'd like to think that I'm smart enough not to be deceived. I'm going to tell you a little story. Happened to me last week. Really quick, right? I got scammed. Cost me $1,200. Yeah. Yeah. And it happened so easily. You know, I am so careful. I am diligent. I might even pay legitimate bills until they send me a red one, if I'm not sure. <laughs> Seriously. But you know what happened? We got, we got our red, our new Mazda. Pauline got her new Mazda. And I said to her, here's the e-tag. Put it, put it on the dash when you go and visit your mum. Cause we've ordered a new e-tag for the car. 
she forgot to put it on the dash. And she has to go to Baronia, you know, there and back through the tunnel. And I get home and there's the e-tag on the bench and I'm thinking, this is, this is, right? So I said, Paul, oh, I'm really sorry, it's okay, it's okay. Because I'm a good husband, you know. <laughs> but I knew, I knew I'd be getting a notice from, from Eastlink, you know, and, and you know, have to pay the, the toll. Not, not a problem. So about a week later, less than a week later, I get a text message with an invoice for $5.83 from Eastlink. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, there it is. And, you know, I like to pay my bills as quick as I can, so I think, yeah, no worries, $5.83, paid, forgotten about. One week after that, I went to a restaurant for our anniversary. The card was rejected. I was scammed. I was deceived by something that looked authentic because of the circumstances. Now, false teachers aren't going to stand out on the street teaching the word of God. They're going to stand right here where I'm standing. They're going to have the Bible open and they're going to say to you, this is what it says in the Bible. And that's why I ask you to have your Bible open. I ask you to look at that word in verse 3, deceived. Because what happens is those false teachers are good. And we read in here that Satan is cunning. And Eve, it says, was deceived. In a perfect environment by a cunning enemy and what and what that serpent said was almost true and that's what gets you it's almost legitimate i knew i had to pay a toll it looked legitimate so i paid it it didn't cost me five dollars 83 cents that's, that's just the by and by. That's how easily we can be deceived in, in all manners of life. But, but we're talking about something really important here, spiritual things. So Eve was deceived. And, and not only was she deceived, you know, look, 1200 bucks is a lot of money, but, you know, it's gone. It's okay. You know, no McDonald's for breakfast this week. But anyway, that's okay. But look at what happened when Eve was deceived. We are, you and I are still suffering the consequences of that deception. And there are lots of people who have believed false teaching and are still suffering the consequences of that false teaching. And this is why Paul is distressed. This is why he's writing. And this is why God has preserved 2 Corinthians for us. Because we're not immune. Have a look at the next slide. Thank you, Andrew, because, you know, for the next slide, slide three, verse four. This is, this is a quote by, uh, 
I think it's John Calvin. I can't read it from here. It says, false teaching is easily, yeah, there you go, thank you. But if I, yeah, is easily identified by the fact that, that is, that is willingly received by all and is to everyone's liking. In verse 4, have a look at verse 4 together. Let's have a quick look. It says there, For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. It's amazing what people will put up with from the platform. It's amazing. It's not, it's not a Christ, a spirit, a gospel. The key word there is different. You know the truth. A few weeks ago, I shared with you what Paul expected the people of God to know. You know the truth. Why put up? with a different gospel? Why put up with a different Jesus? Why put up with a different spirit? Why? I'll tell you why. Because the people that are preaching are charismatic. They're lovable. They're entertaining. They're easy on the ears, easy to look at. You think about the false teachers that you're aware of. That's what they're like. They tell you what you want to hear. Embracing, Paul says they're embracing or at least tolerating heretical teaching because of the way it's been packaged. And that's what happened. It is packaged, brothers and sisters. It's designed to appeal to you. Think of Eve. Think of the serpent. And you think of all right through history, the false teaching, the packaging that it comes in, the people that are leading it. It's not a small, ugly, bespeckled, mustached little fella. It's always a charismatic person and they're popular and everybody wants to come and hear what they have to say. Huh? It's not the truth. And this is why Paul is, is he's, he's, he's devastated here. Because they're not, they're putting up with it. Some are believing and many are drifting away. Can I have the next slide, please, Andrew? So in verses from 7 to 10, Paul is warning us of the motivation. Here it says here, because your pastor told me so, will not be valid. Josh, if you're watching, we love you. It's not talking about you. But sometimes we just rarely accept what comes from the front. But the motive, what, what is, what is the speaker's motivation? What is the, the teacher's motivation? Paul says here, it's money. Brothers, it's always about money, isn't it? It's always about the money. It's about power, the kudos, to have followers. Sounds a little bit like Facebook, doesn't it? How many followers have you got? 
you know, the more followers you have, then you can maybe put something on your page that makes you what? Money. Brothers and sisters, in 1 Corinthians, if we had looked at 1 Corinthians verse chapter 9, Paul tells us or tells the Corinthians and everyone else that reads it, he gives a detailed account of the rights of an apostle, a genuine servant of God. Yes, we should pay a pastor if, if, he, if he is doing the work of God. And a pastor, a genuine pastor, does not make money. He earns a salary. And, and the Lord talked about that in Matthew, that it was okay to, 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 to not muzzle the ox that's working in the field. But the false teachers, they weren't, they weren't just making a salary. They were exploiting the people of God. And Paul here tells us that he knew that. So he, he, he didn't want any money from them because he wanted them what? To hear the message, the message from God. It's okay to support a worker of God. But you look at, the, if you have a look, if you go to Google and look up some of these false teachers, they are millions and millions of dollars and it's in their bank account and they have private jets (laughs) you don't read about that with the apostle paul not the jets part because they didn't have jets but you know you know the apostle paul was waiting for men from macedonia to bring a gift so he could you know buy food Have a look and examine and question the motives of your leaders. It's important. Don't be an Eve. Don't believe everything that you hear. How often have you heard, let's be like the Bereans. Let's go and check out whether the speaker was telling us the right thing. That happened to Paul. Can you believe that? Because a false teacher is cunning. They're very hard to tell, you know? Very hard to tell. Isn't it? It's very hard to tell. Very hard. Can I have the next slide, please? There are seven signs, seven things that, that mark a false teacher a false church, a false ministry. And the first one is heresy. Now, heresy is a very interesting word. It means a failure to adhere to and respect classic essentials of the faith held by all Christians. In other words, it's at variance with orthodox teaching. That's the first thing that they start and do. Oh, you know... I don't think Jesus really was truly human. He was a spirit. That's what they were dealing with here in Corinth. And then they had the Judaizers who said, yeah, but we used to do it like this before. We should still keep some of the things that we have, you know, now. And 
That's heresy. It's not a way out thing. It's not something, oh, rough, that's obviously wrong. It's never like that. You think of some of the churches that, that the teaching that they have on the Holy Spirit. It's not in the scripture, but it sounds nice. And I'd like to think I have a Holy Spirit like that in me. Brothers and sisters, do you know what sort of spirit you have in you? You have the spirit of Jesus Christ in you. That's enough. That's all we need. The second one is authoritarianism. which This is really interesting. It means an absolute unchallengeable power, right, resting in one person. How many churches like that? do we have today? Unchallengeable authority of one person in the church. There's a big church like that, isn't there? We know. I'm not going to mention what the churches are. You can talk to me about it later. I'm not here to run down any churches. What I want to do is highlight to you what the Apostle Paul was trying to tell the believers in Corinth. The third one, exclusiveness. The insistence that their group alone is the one and true church. Now, sometimes the brethren, you know, are borderline with that one. Now, that, that, that's a mark of, of, of false teaching. The mark of false teaching. The fourth one, which is the obvious one, greed. <laughs> greed. The manipulation of the congregation and the guilt tactics to get money you know, from from the congregation, from the people of God, and with no financial accountability or transparency. Where does the money go? How, I love the fact that uh, M Trust, they're there, transparency and the accountability. I love that. That's great. But there's a lot of places and, and ministries and churches that don't do that. The fifth one. This is this is obvious, but it's there. Impurity, a sign of 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 a, of a fake church, a fake ministry, a false teacher, is is their, their their impurity, the moral looseness, the lack of personal restraint. And you know, there's a there's a there's a group, there's a church that that maybe not promote this, but oh, you can see it, you can see it, and and it's especially among the younger folk. You know, anything goes. As so long as you can come to church and you put the donations through your card, through the card reader, you know? Sixth one is secrecy. A lack of openness in operations, authority, structures and decisions. You know, trust us, we're, we're the leaders, you know, we'll just do what we say. And the last one is rationalisation, defensiveness when confronted about any wrongdoing. Ever tried to go to the leadership and say, excuse me, I think what you're doing is not right. <laughs> I know what it's like. I was in leadership. Very defensive. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to have all of these seven, but if you, if you see any of these seven in, 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 a, in a church or in your, in your leadership, it's a time. It's time to uh, make uh, make some uh, decisions. Can I have the, the next slide, please? Now, the next couple of verses, thirteen to fifteen, you really need to underline 
just about every word in these two verses. Because there are some very interesting verses, right? Uh, words, sorry. Um, verse 13. It says that this is the apostles, for such men are false apostles, right? They're false apostles, not super apostles. False apostles. Now, an apostle is a messenger, a messenger from from God. If you are talking about the apostle Paul, a messenger and with with a message. And this is why Paul was so upset. God had given the Lord had given him a message, a commission to to, to go out amongst the Gentiles and proclaim salvation through Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, all that, all the things that we understand. And, and and he says these men are false apostles. Yeah, they're messengers. They've they've come with a message, but it's a false message. It's not true. Because where they're getting their message from isn't from God. They're not God's apostles. The next word's a really interesting one. Masquerading. That's a good word, isn't it? You know what that means? It means a false outward show, a facade, a going about under false pretenses or character. The two synonyms which I thought were really good was deception and imposter. So these men, these teachers are masquerading. And then, and then, and then the apostle says in verse four, and no wonder, for Satan himself, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And that's an interesting term, an angel of light. An angel is what did we say? We said it was a messenger from God. And light in the scripture always refers to either God, his word, goodness, So an angel of light is a mess, is God's messenger of goodness, of righteousness, of good things. I always used to think that the angel of light was a bad term. It's not really. You see, what's bad is that Satan is masquerading as an angel of light cat. He's masquerading, which means what? He's not an angel of light. I mean, we, we had a lot of masquerading on Monday night, didn't we? Those lovely little kids weren't vampires and witches. They, they were just pretending, Morris. I'm not going to discuss Halloween because that's for another day. But that's what masquerading is. They're, it's a facade. A very good facade. Now, I'm going to hold these two things up again. A very good facade. And this, and listen to the next bit, verse 15. Not surprising then that his servants, that's Satan's servants. So you can see the connection between a false, a false teacher isn't someone who's made a mistake. You know, maybe, maybe sometimes I stand here and, and, and I don't read the right word or, or, that's a mistake. False teaching is not a mistake. 
It's deliberate. And his servants do his bidding. The false teacher does the bidding of his master, which is Satan, who masquerades as the angel of light. Can you see why Paul is distressed here? These were people that were the bride of Christ, promised to Christ. He led them from from idolatry to the foot of Calvary and showed him a loving saviour. And they believed. But now they're being deceived. Now they're being led astray. And what happens, what happens to these people? It says there, it says their end is eternal condemnation. And we get a very good description of that in Galatians chapter one. If you've got time to read that, I haven't got time. I just noticed I'm running out of time. Can I have the last slide, please? Thank you. So what's the, what's the application for all this for you and me today? Okay. First of all, we're not immune to false teachers today. If you think that, you're in trouble. You're in trouble of being deceived. You see, we, we, we don't have Judaizers. We're not going to have problems with the Judaizer coming into this place or a Docius, which is what they've given the term of the people that were doing all the false teaching back in Paul's day. We're not going to get any of them in here either. But we will get false teachers. In fact, we, we've had false teachers in this place in the past. We're not immune. They come in and they mimic. Mimic, what does mimic mean? You know, like imitate. They mimic and they deceive. And, and the Lord himself, Jesus himself said in Matthew 13, to deceive even the elect of God. Even somebody like myself can be deceived. It's interesting too when you look at scripture that not only Paul but the apostle Peter and John speak a lot about false prophets and false teachers. And and what what they say, what they warn us and tell us that they will come amongst us not out in the street not on Facebook or TikTok or whatever the, you know. They, it's not there that we have to worry about. It's when they come here, when they're sitting here amongst us, when they're standing here on the platform. The Lord himself, the Lord himself in Matthew seven fifteen, he says, watch out, watch out for false teachers. Can I have a... Thank you. They're everywhere, brothers and sisters. They are everywhere. They have a mission. Satan is out to destroy the church of God. If not destroy, get us so busy doing the wrong things and fighting amongst ourselves that we don't do what what we're asked to do. How do we recognise these people? How do we recognise? The Lord Jesus in in chapter 7 goes on, he says, by their fruits you will recognise them. So we've got to watch. We have to examine. 
Leadership in a church directs the people of God. There's no question about that. The leadership of any church directs the people that congregate in that building, in that church. So, can I have the next one? Thank you. People are gullible. We get sucked in, you know. Here, got sucked in, right? I got sucked in during the week, right? We're gullible. We believe all sorts, even if we're very careful. So, so how do we protect ourselves from being deceived by false teachers? By deeply probing the doctrines that these people believe and espouse or ignore. How come we never hear about certain, this sort of teaching? Why is evangelism not done in this place? Also, we need to ask that question. We need to see how reverent, how, how revered Christ is in the life of the church. Because if it's all about you and me feeling good, there's a problem with that. Do they have a servant's heart? Do the leaders have a servant's heart? Because the leaders of Jesus Christ in the Bible had servant's hearts. All of them, the genuine ones. Do they seek the good of the people of God? Do our leaders seek our good? Develop us, encourage us, challenge us, sit beside us. Do they, do they give of their time? Do they pray for us? Are they in tears for us? That's what you have to ask. Do they lord, do they lord the authority that they have as, as elders or whatever, we, we call them elders here, but you know, you might be at a different church, different names. Do they lord the authority that the, that the scriptures give them over the people or are they examples to the flock? That's what Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 5. An example. Can you follow the leaders of your church and honour God? Would God be pleased if you followed your leaders? I love, I love the fact that we put our, 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 doctrine, our, our statement of faith on our website. Because that doesn't give, that gives you no excuse not to know what this church believes in. But you know, brothers and sisters, it's our job to hold the leadership accountable to make sure that they lead that way. But you know why? Because we put them into the leadership. Yeah? You, 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 you say yes to so and so, brother so and so to be an elder or, or a deacon. We have to make sure that we live out the statement of our faith. Things of God are not always pleasant. Sometimes the teaching is tough and you don't like it. I have to confess many times. I've read stuff in the scriptures myself. I thought, I don't like that. I'm not happy about that. It doesn't matter. It's what God wants. Sometimes it's not easy to take, not easy to hear, and often it's not popular. You ever tried telling a non-Christian why you do certain things or why you don't? It's not popular. God's not in the popularity business. He's in the holiness business. Yeah? 
and and the word of God has been giving given to us for our good. I don't know about you, but as I as I get older and older and older, I'm discovering that the things that the God has told us we need to do isn't so that you know we don't have fun or we don't enjoy life, but it is for our blessing. And it's interesting to note, isn't it, how how it's not it's not the fact that God is trying to curb your fun by telling you don't go out to such and such places and, and nightclubs and all the rest of it. It's a protective thing, isn't it? Because one of the other things that they say on three dub in the breakfast morning is nothing good ever happens after two o'clock in the morning. But don't be out there. And 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 he wants us to prosper and to and to live successful lives that glorify him. So that's what Paul was concerned about in chapter 11. He was concerned about them and God preserved that letter for us because the same concerns, the same dangers are present in our life. Can I have the last slide? Here's a here's a um, a little Summary, a very quick summary of uh, the next one, the last slide. That's it. That's in, that's in, uh, it's not, it's not the NIV, it's in, that's, uh, in, uh, first Peter. But that's really, second Peter, right? That's really true that we need to be, beware of false teachers. We really do. Because they're not, they're not here to do you any favours, do any good for you. They're here to take you away from the person that we love, Jesus Christ, and to not tell others about him. So that's why it's important that we identify, recognise them and deal with false teachers. Thanks very much.